so that big red nuclear button on the dashboard that you see, go ahead and hit that, President Trump. Country will be fine. Do it. This is the Life Going Podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Lopez. So, um, welcome to the show. Glad to have you with me uh, on this on your Friday morning and on my Friday morning here. Uh, I, I have to admit uh, that we did see some growth on the YouTube channel yesterday uh, on on our last show, rather. Um, and I think it was because I was suffering. I don't know if that was because I was sweating profusely or if it was too warm. Um, but for some reason, you guys seem to take pity on me. Um, so here's another uh, stab at that kind of uh, rhetoric. Uh, it's very early in the morning. I do a lot for you guys. Help me out. Subscribe. <laughs> anyway, that's why I'm wearing my glasses. Um, I don't feel like wearing contacts. At uh, it is now 5:40. So um, good to be with you guys. I, I honestly really enjoy these uh, shows. So if you guys want to join in on the conversation, and it's not just one way street, join the life giving podcast conversation Facebook group that will be linked in the show notes. We've, we've already started having conversations there and it just um, helps put some context to who I'm talking to um, and would probably uh, be helpful for you guys as well to have some community around this podcast. Uh, and also today we are going to do something a little bit more fast paced. I want to see uh, how fast we can go through the show um, and just see how condensed we can get down for you guys. Uh, and we'll finish off with a free thought Friday. But today, let's talk about lockdowns and how really they should have been the nuclear option. Now, before we begin, I think that a form of lockdown in the very beginning would have been much better than what we've experienced the last four or five months. Uh, and even if you go back and listen to former episodes where we were first entering lockdowns with this podcast, I, I feel like it was very providential of God that I started this podcast uh, in January because really there's been, it's been very hard to find something not to talk about. I think I, I said that right. I'll have to check that in post-production. That may not make it in. Anyway, <laughs> um, so lockdowns. I, I was, you know, I, like, okay, this could be the right option back in, uh, back at the beginning of this. Um, but we're starting to see more and more uh, scientists coming out and saying, hey, Lockdowns probably weren't the best idea. We're starting to see more articles written. We're starting to see uh, more balanced thinking well after we needed that thinking. So, I mean, we'll, we'll need it moving forward because of the second wave of lockdowns that will probably be coming down the pike. Um, and uh, primarily, it will be centered around this interview that uh, they had with this, uh, that healthcare blog entertained with with John Ioannidis. Uh, and this was back on July 9th. And he uh, came out and was talking about uh, giving some more context to his comments he made way back in March. Uh, he did an editorial for a paper that talked about how he, like lockdowns, really, we, sh we should have um, either seen them earlier or not at all uh, and how little their effect has been. And he has been ostracized since, but more people are starting to see uh, that way. So um, actually like 
Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, uh, said that I can't abandon that tool, being lockdowns, any more than I would abandon a nuclear deterrent. But it is like a nuclear deterrent. I certainly don't want to use it, and nor do I think we will be in that position again. What lockdowns do is completely shut down the system. Like if you're thinking of, say, take a human body as um, the system, you basically just cut off uh, the blood flow, right? You're, you're basically putting a slower, like a chokehold uh, so that it doesn't die right away. But instead, what you're doing uh, is slowly choking it out. And this isn't like an actual chokehold because those can put you out in a few seconds. This is someone who's trying to choke out, uh, choke you out with very little experience and they're not doing a great job of it, but you can't react. So it's, it's just a slow, painful death all the way to the end. And that's kind of what they're doing to the economy and also to the schools and to every single infrastructure in the U.S. except for journalism, which we should be getting rid of anyway. More on that later. Um, but uh, there, there are other people, such as Buck Sexton, who says that there uh, are scenarios in which new information comes along here that shows us that this was a one-size-fits-all approach that was not the right move. And, you know, I, I said this uh, from the beginning, there's a very lack of, there's a lot of, um, there's a lack of nuance when we approached, approached this shutting down of all the economy. Uh, I think it, we would have been better to protect the uh, small, the uh, more targeted population, say 70 and above, because uh, that's comprised, I think, like 80% of the deaths or something like that. I don't know if that's nationally or globally, but they have been the uh, biggest targets for this virus. Um, there is this one study that came out on uh, live science that said that uh, they, the authors of the study looked at 16 different studies. Um, but uh, they found only one study that looked at the effect of school closures. Now, mark this, we're going to be doing an in-depth show on school closings in, in the near future. Um, but I, I'm, I'm saving that as a treat uh, for a special reason, and we'll get to that. Um, but uh, there is this, but we will mention it now as, because more people are starting to talk about, well, should schools be closed? Um, I think it would be great, but not in the way that a lot of people would think. Um, the authors found, this is coming back to the study, only one study that looked at the effect of school closures separate from other social distancing measures. This study, which modeled the effect in the UK population, suggested that school closures by themselves were predicted to reduce COVID-19 deaths by only 2% to 4%, which was much lower than the effect of other measures such as isolating infected cases. So um, coming to this interview with John Ioannidis, he is uh, one of the professor, the uh, esteemed or, or initially esteemed epidemiologist at um, Stanford University. He had been ostracized for a long time. Um, and he has a, he was in this interview that was transcripted in this blog post and Man, it, it is really, really good stuff uh, because he – we'll touch on a few answers to a few of the questions here, but I will link to it. You should go and read it because um, 
the majority of my listeners probably don't agree with going back into lockdowns. Uh, and if you do, he gives some good arguments for why we shouldn't. Okay. So uh, this one, just to kind of set the table there, there are going to be a lot of questions raised on um, whether or not on, on, on this, the decision that we made to go into lockdown, uh, because there, there are arguments saying that uh, we, we wish we had better data, but we uh, did the best we could with the data that we had. Um, and John responded in saying, that wasn't my position, though I can see why people thought I was advocating inaction when I was actually asking, begging actually for better, better data to inform our actions. The two decisions and knowledge aren't mutually exclusive. We can design policy on imperfect information, yet keep gathering ev evidence so that our approach is fine-tuned. A decision such as an economic lockdown should be assumed provisional, awaiting more research and better information. Of course, we can't know everything there is to know about a novel virus in the beginning. Inaction is a false choice. What we're choosing between is an immutable decision and a decision updated by emerging evidence, rather than between inaction and gathering evidence. That just sounds like sound thinking, right? But people people did not understand that that's what he had been pushing for initially. Um, and I, I, um, I, I thought that's just a wonderfully uh, summarized approach to this entire situation. And um, there was no option for nuance. There is no option given. There was two, like if you had a survey that you had to fill out and there were fixed answers, it was either I'm all for lockdowns or I'm a science denier. Uh, there's no middle ground. And when there's no middle ground on something like that, it can quickly become politicized, just like what we've seen with masks. So uh, the interview goes on. Um, and uh, the, the reporter, the interviewer says, so you're not against locking down the economy. Uh, the, the epidemiologist from Stanford responds, by February, we missed the window for nipping the novel coronavirus in the bud. Had we acted earlier with aggressive testing, tracing, and isolating, like the South Koreans, the Taiwanese, and the Singaporeans did, the virus wouldn't have spread as wildly as it did. The biggest lesson from this pandemic is that the cost of delaying controlling the infection can be substantial. Act decisively in haste or repent at leisure. Amen. Once we missed the boats, that was my amen. Back to the quote. Once we missed the boat, the lockdown was inevitable. I say inevitable begrudgingly because I don't think it should have been reached that eventuality. It should have re reached that eventuality. And uh, here in closing, the situation, this is the interviewer, the situation would certainly have been different had the extent of the spread been identified in January in the, in the infection was controlled. If I understand you correctly, given our situation in March, as avoidable as it could have been in our state of knowledge at that time, you supported the lockdown. His response, that's correct. Once the country was locked down, I felt we should be focusing in minimizing its duration. I view lockdown as a drug with dangerous side effects when, it, when its use is prolonged. It's an extreme measure, a last resort, the nuclear option. A country should be locked down not a minute longer than absolutely necessary. We have to keep assessing its risk-benefit calculus. By collecting and analyzing data, 
making sure we're measuring the denominator accurately and finding vulnerable and not vulnerable subgroups, which I think is a great point because when we looked at the coronavirus, when we're looking at how to, um, how should we react to it? We kind of just think that the coronavirus is the only thing that causes death in the US. Uh, he goes on to later point out that there are just more social and economic damage and deaths uh, that we are not accounting for when we are analyzing this lockdown. And he also goes on to mention how uh, we shouldn't completely, even though it's a novel coronavirus, that doesn't mean we throw all the laws of epidemiology out the window uh, because he had compared it to the seasonal flu. Um, and percentage, you know, fatality, case fatality rate, it's very similar. And yet he, he got absolutely blown up for um, basically, he, he got absolutely blown up for that kind of statement late, way back when. And yet uh, we've seen now, we've seen guys like him get blown up in the past making similar statements, but we're seeing now that he was right, that they were right. And it's due to the fact um, that a lot of these coronavirus, novel or not, a lot of the f you know bugs that we've seen share a lot of similarities, and that's why there are certain laws in epidemiology. So uh, I would read the interview. I think it provides some great context um, and some great wisdom on uh, the lockdowns itself. I hope that what uh, my breakdown there helped, um, just to kind of get the um, the brain waves moving a little bit, you know, just add a little friction to your thinking. Um, and maybe lockdowns should have been considered more nuclear than we, uh, a last resort than what we initially uh, expected um, or, or thought of them as. Like if just for two weeks, you know, the economy could have bounced back, but we're 120 plus days into this thing. Let's not kid ourselves. We're going to, there's hell to pay for it. Um, and I, I think we've got to, uh, do a lot better job in the future, um, holding our leadership accountable for the decisions that they've made and continue to make through this lockdown. All right, so to wrap things up, let's uh, talk about our Free Thought Friday. At the beginning of the show, I, was, I said, hey, let's try to keep it short today. Um, I can tell that's not happening, so I will try to keep this segment short. Um, and this is the segment where we discuss things that help put current events into context, right? Um, I, uh, Ruth and I, uh, my wife, we just were at a friend's house last night and had dinner with um, multiple good friends of ours. And it was great. It was great to reconnect. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me with my conversation with a few of my friends was uh, just uh, how, how little time they seem to have um, for current events. Right. There's just um, there's just a lot that goes on in life. And that's understandable. And that's why there's this show and the life given news that is starting to ramp up. I will keep the self plugging to that comment right there. But that raises a good question. How much time are you setting aside for current events? When it comes to issues that are going on in today, do you feel convicted that you need to be more in tune with what's going on in the world? And how, and how are you taking steps to uh, arm yourself with more information? And, and how are you 
turning that into wisdom and knowledge? Is it listening to podcasts? Is it reading articles? But whatever it is, I would encourage that you set half an hour of your week out of the out of your week to just do some perusing because you just do maybe 10 minutes a day or something like that. And you will be surprised at how much you can glean in that time. Cause there are so many resources out there that really it just takes the time to sign up for a newsletter or the time to subscribe to this YouTube channel. Dang, I did it again. I'm, I'll try to keep it down. How are you setting time aside? Right. How are you setting time aside to make time for current events, which is such an important uh, topic. And, and just set, set small chunks of time aside, uh, and you'll be surprised at how much you will know at the end of one week, at the end of two weeks, um, even on a tight schedule. Five minutes a day can really keep the monsters at bay. All right? So remember that the life that you've been given and the life that you have received includes every area of life. Current events are no exception. God bless.